It's Wednesday night. You know what that means. It means you're listening locked and loaded to your favorite podcast on a Wednesday night after AEW Dynamite. It is the Wrestling Inc. podcast, and we're here to give you all the goods, all the truth, all the honesty, all the comedy. It's all going to come together for you. I'm Dustin Labar coming to you from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, being joined by a former WWE referee of 20-plus years. He's north of the border in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. He is the one, the only, Jimmy Corderas. Jimmy, how are you tonight? Uh, you know, I have been better. Let's put it that way. But uh, hey, we'll talk about that. That's for sure. <laughs> he had been better. Well, let's find out what's going on there. And rounding out the trio, she is the spiciest thing south of Miami. She is our resident demon diva in Puerto Rico. She is Isa. Good evening, Isa. How are you? I'm here. I'm here. Only for you two. She's here. He could have been better. <laughs> Ain't we great? <laughs> let's uh let's dive down this hole tonight, this rabbit hole tonight. Uh appreciate all of you that are here in the live chat as we just kicked off the recording. I'm sure that's gonna grow as the minutes go on, but uh appreciate all of you that are waiting and kind of having your own little watch party. Appreciate all, all of you that are over on Issa's watch party. And then for those of you that choose to watch or listen on demand on your own time, it's your life, it's your prerogative. Do like you do. Enjoy us when you want to enjoy us, but just enjoy us one way or the other. Enjoy us, like it, share it, tell a friend, comment, do all those things. It all helps keep this thing growing uh, beyond belief. Uh, before we get into Dynamite tonight from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, let's talk about some news. Top news items coming to you from uh, the world of WWE, both involving uh, some premium live events. One confirmed, one rumored. Uh, we start with the confirmed one, and that is WWE confirmed that next year, August 31st, 2024, it will be the first ever bash in Berlin, the first ever w major WWE premium live event to be held in Germany, in Berlin. Uh, huge news there. And then while we have that news, uh, Fightful Select is reporting, and they usually are pretty close on the money, but it's not official from WWE, but Fightful Select reporting that WWE has been looking at Paris, France, possibly being targeted for Backlash 2024. Of course, Backlash, famously the first event after WrestleMania this past year, Backlash in Puerto Rico, Isa. Uh, I, I think, you know, critically acclaimed show by most for how well it came off. Um, this is a big deal. Uh, and, and this is, I mean, WWE continuing to expand their international horizons. Isa, I go to you first. What's your reaction to the confirmed Bash in Berlin and the uh, speculated uh, Backlash in Paris? I'm super excited. I think this is great news. WWE um, has been really pushing the word global and they're showing it now. And, and by them and the new ownership, um, this also shows because um, obviously, you know, UFC goes everywhere. Um, you know, I have I had the best time in backlash in Puerto Rico. And I think a big part of why that crowd felt that way is because it had been almost 20 years since they've been here. So imagine a first time ever crowd and what that's going to sound like. And I am, I'm, I'm always here for fans getting to experience that live um, all over the world. And I think that's why WWE is doing amazing in ticket sales. Because if you look at the PLEs that they hosted this year, like half of them were not in the States. So now we really, you have to go see them when they're near you because you don't know when they're going to come back. They're not repeating markets as often as they used to. And I think that's also a very, very smart strategy. I think this is great news for everybody and just figuring out which one of the two I might make the trip for. Yeah, Jimmy, if they do, in fact, obviously the Bash in Berlin, very exciting end of the summer uh, event. 
Uh, we've seen them do, you know, events internationally. You know, we saw them do Cardiff uh, a couple years ago. If they do this Paris show for Backlash, um, this is an interesting trend to get out of the continental United States. And this will go back to your days where it was always after you did Mania, usually a few weeks later, you kind of kicked off the new WW calendar year by doing a European tour. This right. kind of sticks with that. But rather than it being a European tour where it's taped for all taped Smackdowns and, and take that for what you will, you're building major storylines and build and, and, and payoffs to a premium live event. Right. And for, like you said, uh, when Issa was talking about a global company, WWE slash even before when WWF, they were presenting themselves as a global company. The global leader in sports entertainment was their tagline. Perception is reality. And now that you're going out and doing premium live events slash quote unquote pay-per-views, let's say it's still in some countries, this is a big deal. And whether it's the Endeavor partnership the tko or the the company whatever the company's official title is uh, the stocks are the, like you said isa ufc goes everywhere and this is maybe a, an, an opportunity for them to expand their audience yes we we i've been pretty much <laughs> over this entire planet with wwe mind you a few places are still, i still haven't been to but it looks like they're not only continuing the trend of going overseas but expanding on it and taking advantage of the situation and taking advantage of not being over there for a long time. And that audience is, is really, you know, let's put it this way. They, they really get into the, uh, the product when they're there, they're very vocal, they're very alive and it's going to show. And especially when they know they're on pay-per-view and seeing globally, they will react accordingly. But from a business standpoint, I think it's a great move. Yeah. You know, um, I, you know, I was at every mania from 2011 through 2019. Every year I was at every mania, got to you know, did the whole shindig, got to mingle with a lot of fans from all over the world every year, and and, and constantly it would be brought up every year by the international fans to me, like, oh, do you ever think that they'd do a mania in London or do one? You know, London was the most common, you know, and people would always draw back to the success of of SummerSlam '92. And through all those years, I always said, you know, it's not that the, I always said for two reasons, no. My two reasons in that time period were one. So much of WWE's WrestleMania uh, revenue, in terms of gate revenue, is from the international fans that make the travel into the states, and they buy all the tickets, they buy the hotels, they buy the WrestleMania packages, and I and I don't know if American fans would tra travel the same way outward. The other one I wondered, and I said no because I was like I don't know if again American fans were still North America's your 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 primary bread and butter. Are they going to watch live at a peculiar at, a, at, an, at a, an obscure time relatively speaking you know it, obviously if, if you're doing it in, in europe and but you know the way that the success has been for them doing events <clears throat> around the globe and it seems to have not even you know I mean, look at the crown jewel shows people you know tune, we're tuning in at one in the afternoon eastern time here on a saturday and and it doesn't seem like it's been harming them so <clears throat> i gotta say maybe now more than ever i believe in what john cena was teasing uh back in the summer which is you know a wrestlemania internationally and there's also the chamber in australia let's not forget it, that that's a great mm -hmm. point in february right. so i mean yeah i think now more than ever it's probably within reach that a wrestlemania is going to get, is going to get outside of north america yay yeah. yeah it's it's looking more and more that way and well i'm glad you said north america because you know we've been fortunate to, to have hosted it twice up here in toronto so I won't uh, forget about Toronto. We yeah, won't forget. <laughs> yeah, out, but outside of North America, I think it's. I, I think it yeah. is really possible at this point. Yeah, 
you know, more more so than ever. Mm-hmm. So those are your uh, big two uh, two headlines kind of combined into one. Uh, again, WrestlingInc.com, 24-7 news updates. Make sure you check it out. Have it bookmark. Have it safe. Have your push notifications. Whatever it is you need to do to make sure you stay in, in the know. All right, let's get into AEW Dynamite. Of course, big shout-out again to everybody that's in the live chat. We appreciate you. If you're watching this after the fact, again, hit us up on uh, Twitter or X. Leave a comment. Do whatever you want to do to be heard. Dynamite kicks off pretty hot here. We're coming from Philadelphia. They started off with a match they told us they're going to start off with, which is that Dynamite Diamond Ring of Juice Robinson is going to challenge MJF. Just before MJF takes the ring, though, he's backstage. He tries to call Adam Cole. Just as he gets through to Adam, Roddy and his crew interrupts him, and MJF just kind of discards him right out of the screen. And then just as we transition from that backstage to the uh, entrances, we cut to a video of the masked devil, uh, the masked man of the devil mask, uh, staring at the screen. First time we've seen this, I believe, since the attack some weeks ago. No, I think it was on one of the shows that it, I saw a clip of it on social media somewhere. Uh, we get like it on either a collision or a rampage. Okay. There was like okay. another appearance. All right, correction. Well, so we, uh, more, more uh, pr- reminder that they have not dropped this. It is still, right. it is still there. So we get MJF versus Drews Robinson. Um, I got to commend MJF, Jimmy, early on in the match as he's beating up Juice Robinson outside and running him from barricade to barricade. He jumps in the ring and breaks the count. Breaks yes. the count to buy him a fresh 10. Yes. And he flips it, off the ref while doing it. Good heel move. Uh, uh, no, it, 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 it made sense. Uh, finally, somebody who gets it is that you, you can't stay out there forever and have the referee try to fudge the numbers every time. Because in, in situations like that, the heat goes to the wrong person. The referee looks like they're not doing their job, but that's, you know. Seven, of course, the, the former strength eight, shirt. Yeah. Seven, six, five. 8.5. Jimmy, do you fail the job interview if you can properly count to 10? Do you have to fake that you can count to 10? No, you, no. If you get to 10, <laughs> I mean, like, the, you have to be able to get that high because eventually there's going to be a finish where there is a count out. Right. <laughs> Uh, after that, we do get a big false finish sequence with Juice, uh, with, with his uh, left hand from God and, and such. Uh, but ultimately, it's going to be um, it's going to be MJF getting the win here uh, with the pile driver in between the ropes. Uh, we get uh, the, the rest of, of, of the crew um, beating down MJF. Uh, Roddy and the Kingdom come out. The acclaimed eventually come out as well, and uh, MJF makes it clear he wants nothing to do with uh, with with the bland bitch that is Roderick Strong. <laughs> And his lackeys, uh, he has no plans to team with the acclaimed and them, even though that there is a four-on-four set for next week of MJF and partners up against uh, uh, the Bang Bang Club. So you know now we're left in this lurch of who is going to be the partner for MJF. And just as he is leaving, he gets confronted at the top of the stage by Kenny Omega, who of course the of course the Title reign days are dwindling, and so we get the match made for this Saturday collision. Kenny Omega versus MJF. Well, Taz, no, sorry to cut you off there, Justin, but Taz said it best on commentary. This is a match we're getting on free TV. My goodness, what without any build? There's no build to it. Come on. The build is the longest, like, reigning champion. It's it's an excuse, right? (laughs) I guess, but at least give it, you know, a a little bit of a precursor uh, before tonight, so to speak. The the thing I had, issue I had, too, was too much. You know, I talk about 20 and 10 all the time. 
I'm going to give you a different analogy. When you're, we talk about planting seeds, which they did hear a lot of at the end of this match. When you plant seeds in a garden, if you plant too many seeds together, it does, you can water it all you want. It'll start to grow, but they will crowd each other and, you, you know, you won't get fruit. You won't get vegetables because there's, there's too much in the garden. If you get my drift. Yeah. And that's what's happening here. You know, you come out of this thing, you're saying to yourself, oh, this is going to be interesting. There's going to be an eight-man tag match. Who are going to be MJF's partner? Then you forget completely about that because now they hit you over the head with the Kenny Omega thing right after that. So they don't let you sit back and breathe and absorb something for a little while before going on to the next thing. Uh, Issa, I, I I tweeted that it's going to be Kenny Omega versus MJF in the Georgia Dome. Uh, there are a certain amount of fans that didn't get that oh, uh, twenty plus year reference. I, w- what's your yeah. thought to all that I just ran through here? This entire this this is the first thirty minutes of the show, by the way. Everything. Yeah, well, I am a little sad that Jimmy changed the reference on me because in my notes it literally says fifty in ten <laughs> because <laughs> that's how I felt. This wasn't twenty. This was fifty pounds of potatoes in ten. Mm-hmm. There was way too much to process, and throughout the show. I did like, I'm going to start with the positive. I did like that everybody's after MJF. That's the way it should be. He is your world champion. That's how it should be. But you had the match. He retains this ring. We don't even have time to process, which by the way, the the match felt dull to me. It's not a bad match in the ring. And Juice was, he had the blood, like everything was going on. There was some good stuff, but I didn't care. And I should, I feel like I should have cared. And it's because this field has not clicked. Then you put JY on the mic for what, five, seven minutes. Then you had this whole thing with the acclaim. The acclaim came out. Like then you had, uh, the only thing that popped me was Roddy again screaming, Max. And then Jay's like, I'm right here. Stop yelling. I love that. This face off should have felt like a big deal. And I feel like we could have let JY cut a promo later on. And we could have, Save the teasing of this uh, Roddy trying to get MJF to like him for later. The acclaim could have begged to tag with him later. He could have just accepted the tag match, walk away, and then Kenny Omega comes out. It didn't feel like a big deal. And I don't like that they're putting it on collision. Like I, I, I think it will pop a rating. I do. But I personally wish they would have put it on minimum the show that gets your biggest audience. And I know what they're trying to do. Maybe they're trying to sell tickets or pop a rating. It is going against the World Series. That's already mistake number one if you're trying to pop a rating. But I really wish they would have at least done it for Dynamite. But this is, I think, the fifth time that NJF retains the ring. And I don't feel like anybody like really gave a big deal about that because there was so much to process here. I think the biggest obstacle in all this is announcing, building and announcing weeks ago that the full gear main event for MJF is against Jay White. If we would just allow, and it, it, fine, if you want to have Jay White involved in the title picture, if you're trying to build him up for the future and make him somebody that's there to stay long-term, have him poking and prod and having him and his boys cause problems with MJF. Have Samoa Joe's promos, which we've seen, and we'll get more of Joe later. Have Wardlow, which we'll get more of later. Have Kenny Omega and the, the, the thing we had the other week and where – that's fine. I have no problem with the champ having that many hunters af- after him. But the fact that you announced already who the next pay-per-view challenger is, I give no hope that that Kenny Omega has a chance. And what does that say when there's no hope for a rational wrestling fan? Like again, if, if there's if there was no match announced, 
in they addition sudden, to that, if they, if they all of a sudden said Omega versus MJF the Saturday, yes, it would be kind of like a oh, yeah. let's try to pop a rating against World Series against everything else. But I would like be like, all right, maybe you know what, maybe they're gonna give it to Kenny so that way they can have Kenny. The MJF doesn't break the record for days, or maybe yeah. MJF's contract is, is expiring, so they gotta get the title off him. I would have all these things going to my head, reason to tune in. But the fact they had the match made in LA a month later already. No, need no and in addition to your point, it's like not only does it not feel like a big deal because we have been building this JY field for so long, but you put it in collision. You don't, you know what I mean? You don't give it a build. And Kenny Omega has been doing nothing but taking losses, a lot of losses. He doesn't have the momentum he had a couple of years ago, which I was like, this would have felt like such a big deal one, two years ago when Kenny was hot. We had that match with Brian. Like, that was crazy, right? Like, the momentum that Kenny Omega had. He doesn't have that. Still feels like a big deal. It's still going to be a match that I go out of my way to watch on DVR. <laughs> but I just, I, it doesn't, I feel like this is going to, it's going to end in a time draw or disqualification from Jay White or something. Yeah, Fernando, <clears throat> Fernando, excuse me, <clears throat> try that again. Fernando Perez, $1.99, Super Chat. Too many plants in the garden is the new 12 bag. <laughs> I'll, I'll even again i'll even accept the timing of they want to do it in collision because it's it's like the day before the record breaks so i even get trying to mess with but again it, and i would be more interested if we didn't have a match made of the next pay-per-view from jeff there's no reason that match needed to be made given that we have all of these other challengers that are there and that's keeping dynamite and collision interesting as it, as it pertains to mjf right and like you said the match that was made for the pay-per-view is you know already made but people have forgotten that until you mentioned it right now it, it was something that kind of like slipped to the back of my mind because you know you saw the kenny omega thing we get to someone else who was talking about mjf a little bit later too in the video package and all this it's just too much to absorb at once let people sit back and absorb and breathe and take it in before you hit them over the head with another one well, let's do the rest of our MJF uh, related stuff now. I know okay. I don't always jump out of order, but it just seems okay. like for the sake of we're, we're all in a roll, we're all fired up. Let's let's uh, let's not cool the Jets. So cool. we do get we do get a Wardlow video package. It looks like it, this was filmed in Philadelphia. Um, you know, he's running up the steps, Rocky style. He's talking about how he sat home for months in a dark place. He was not injured. It, it, you know, he, he just at home in a dark place. You know, knowing that he's beat Max. Max has already took something from him, so now he's going to take everything. From MJF, so Wardlow making it very clear as he has been in the in previous weeks, but now articulating it uh, out of his mouth that MJF is his focus, and even reminding people of the history and the one-upsmanship he has on MJF. And then later, as MJF's being checked on in the trainer's room, we're going to see Samoa Joe approach him, and Joe says, "Look, how about I protect you?" And MJF goes, "That'd be great." And Samoa Joe goes, "Okay, but only if I'm guaranteed a rematch." So, uh, again, I just draw back to, this is all great. Why do we already have to know who his opponent is in the next pay-per-view? <laughs> exactly. And that's, it's just... It, My final again, word. Uh, no, no. It's, it's, it's How much more can you add to this other than it's too much all at once? You're giving people too much to try and absorb. Oh, who's it going to be? Well, he's got Kenny Omega coming up, and Wardlow did this, and, and, and you know, everybody wants... Yes, it's good that people want to take on the champion and want a shot at the champion. But when you have a match already set, that's the story. That's the focus it should be on. Now, now it's a can he survive all the way to the pay per view to, to to face uh, Jay White and Issa and all of this. I even I even had it wrote, written down. But with, with all this uh, we're talking about, and Christopher kind of reminds me um, in the chat here. 
Oh, Don't yeah, forget, MGF is versus the guns. <laughs> the, the, the guns challenged him for his ROH tag team titles, which he accepted, which we also don't have a partner for. So he's going to probably be on the pre-show in the main event again. That, that, that might be becoming a thing. Um, I love the Warlow video package. I think that for them to be doing video packages like this, and when he when you see him on TV, it's just him squashing or just murdering someone on the way to NJF. I do think that's the right way to to rebuild Warlow. I, I, I really enjoy the video package. But yeah. I agree with you. I'm almost like, hey, it feels like Warlow is starting to build momentum. Let's just slow him down to get to NJF until he's done and over with full gear. And he's like, what do you do with him for the next six weeks? You know what I mean? So, and yeah, Samoa Joe making deals with the devil. Yeah, and then there's also the gun, and there's the mystery devil person. We don't know if that person's with NJF, not with NJF. There's just a lot to to try to consume in, in, mm-hmm. in one show. So to the mystery... I mean, obviously, when we first saw them, it was a, a man dre- dressed in the, uh, presumed to be a man, dressed in the devil's mask, plus several others. Mm-hmm. Tonight, we just saw the one person at the screen. Um, showing the one devil on the screen in between MJF's backstage and then in between his matches, Drew Robinson, and then all the participants that would then follow and be part of the hoopla. Jimmy, is that is that strategic storytelling and a little Easter egg of like, okay, we're showing you the devil and then we're showing you all these people and their faces out in the so like is it a matter of like process of elimination it's none of these people is it foreshadowing of we've shown you the devil and then we're going to see all these people come out in the hoopla and so it's one of them uh do, do you think they know who the devil is going to be and when this devil is going to be revealed or and or be uh the next I- impact player I would hope they know, but the problem here is it's not something that I'm invested in. I I should be going, I want to know who it is on that devil's mask, but I'm not. It's like, oh, here we go. Who's this? You know what I mean? It it hasn't got me enthralled in going, oh, I can't wait till the big reveal comes. It's almost like, oh, just reveal it already. What the heck? It It feels like, you know, there's so many pieces to this puzzle. It's just like, just put the piece in the puzzle. Well, Issa, we know the devil's not going to be Uncle Howdy. But then we have everybody else that it could be. It could be Wardlow. It could be any of Roderick, Roderick Strong or any of those people. It could be Adam Cole. It could be any of the Bang Bang Club, I suppose. It could be somebody completely out of left field who is just on the roster, the very deep roster, and has been paid by MJF. Uh, it could be MJF who's mm-hmm. behind the devil mask. Uh, do, do you have any creative prediction at this point? No. But MJF is known for it. Uh, he, he mentioned the devil a lot throughout his promos tonight. He didn't do the I'm better than you and you know it. He kept mentioning, you know, the le- devil, the devil, and this and that. So it makes me wonder if it's somebody that he's bringing in to help him out, like he did with Warlow at one point. Like he's, you know, maybe going back to his old habits now that Adam Cole is not around. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I, I don't have a guess, but I do want to know who it is. I do. All right. Well, stay tuned. That was the cliffhanger there. So a lot of MJF stuff, a lot of uh, branching out off of his, off of just him with the uh, world title and then the ROH tag titles and promote a match this Saturday again, pay-per-view match next month. So a lot to, a lot, a lot of business to be done. Again, I keep going back to this. He keeps saying 2024, he's a free agent. Don't know if that's still accurate or not, but if it is, they are certainly getting their money's worth right now with him of getting him, um, uh, you know, on TV and, and, and at the end of the day, you'd figure dropping all titles at some point or another. 
Uh, before we move on, this one just came yeah. in and kind of seems relevant to what we just talked about. Uh, Super Chat, Terry Allen Jr., <clears throat> $3.40. Thank you, Terry. Uh, describe your journey with Wardlow, Justin. Uh, I mean, it's I mean, it was a very enjoyable experience, but just kind of the summarized version for, you know, for, for you and for anybody who doesn't know Wardlow um, from Ohio, and he trained and, and came to us at IWC Wrestling here in Pittsburgh and trained more with us here. Um, and and we knew immediately we wanted to get him involved. Uh, he was still very green. I mean, at the point when I met him, he had less than probably a, a dozen matches. And so he was part of a the faction I was working with. He was the muscle. He was the bodyguard. Didn't have to do much, but just be big and, and powerful. And then eventually we kind of just eased into him being a single star. And it was very, he, he worked a lot of names, uh, worked a lot of guys uh, and and learned faster than anybody I ever saw in person. And he just kept rising and rising and rising. And, and you know, that was three, three and a half years together. I mean, he was undefeated for probably two years, well protected, I think. And then by the time he, by the time he, he had, by the time he had grown to be very lovable and cool to our audience, they all just wanted to see him shit can me, which is what happened. Uh, and then not too long after that, he's um, appearing on uh, AEW TV. So that's, that's, that's the journey. It was just watching this young man who was, and there's a lot of other things, which is one day for his book or my book or somebody. I mean, he, he gave up a lot. He made a lot of sacrifices in his personal life to pursue wrestling and to, to give it all and quit a very good day job and a lot of things. Uh, and so happy, happy that he happy that is all paid off and that he's, um, he's in the position that he's in. All right, moving on here. We got a tag team match, Alex Reynolds and John silver, the dark order up against hook and Philadelphia is one of their favorite soldiers. Not, not, not born and bred there, but of course, uh, shed many a blood there. R V D and uh, hook, with the submission, getting the win here, as as Taz on commentary noted, his son Hook uh, there with Uncle Rob, uh, Rob Van Dam. Uh, uh, Isa, this is a look. I I, I got to say, I really enjoy these RVD appearances that AEW has done. It's not every week; doesn't need to be every week. But they, you know, if, if you got him and he's available, yeah, put him out there in Philadelphia. Why not put him out there next to uh, next to Hook, who's a you know son of, of one of RVD's famous foes? I, all, all in all, I didn't expect much more from this, um, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think uh, they have been uh, very creative in booking some of, you know, like the part-time talent that's out there all the time. Or I think RVD has done great. Um, and the best place to put him is in Philly. And I thought he looked great tonight. The crowd, of course, loved it. But why? Outside of him being for, from Philly, if you're just tuning in every Wednesday, does this match make any sense to you? We've never no. seen any of these four interact with each other, ever. Exactly. And that's the thing. Sorry to cut you off here, Issa, but that's that's what it just felt like. It felt like, okay, it's Philadelphia. Let's put Rob Van Dam out there and tag him with uh, with uh, Taz's son, whoever, you know, the the audience there knows that that hook is Taz's son. And who are we going to put him against? Oh, we'll put him against these guys who don't even get a TV intro. You know what I mean? It just felt like, you know, a glorified enhancement match, basically. Well, we've seen Hook and RVD together, I believe, but but yeah, the the, the, the opponents seem. Last time I saw Hook, he was with Orange Cassidy. Next thing I know, the next week Orange Cassidy shows up with his title back, and we don't even get an mm. explanation on how this happened. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and commentary did know that the Dark Order is trying to yeah. trying to get back on track uh, to where they were on the days uh, of their famous leader, the the, the late uh, Mr. Brody Lee. So yeah, it seems like the Dark Order is something that they, they are they gave some di- dynamite time here to. So it seems like the Dark Order is something that maybe they're going to uh revisit oh and shocker uh more distractions in this match and the referee yes. get you know and a lot of rep distractions be, tonight 
too, see, again, when you do something too much, it means less and less every time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There was a bigger one later that really. Oh, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, 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 hope I get the name correct. If I don't, my sincere apologies. Uh, Sradeep uh, from India. Uh, I think MJF has resigned as I don't think they're going to let me go without losing the ring. It is their idea and they want it for three. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, so suggesting that that mjf's not sticking around no or is, that he, he is sticking has, around has, that he actually has okay. resigned his contract because they, they wouldn't like why would he retain the ring you know what i mean mm, um, i got you i got you I, we're international though look at that canada oh, puerto awesome. rico india i i love it actually everybody so, should let us know where they're from awesome. i mean I, I would hope that, i mean again i've said this before for all the tv time and all the things they're doing i would like to think that He's been resigned. I think so. But I go back to what I've said before. Tony Khan is not typical in the sense he's very nice for a wrestling promoter in the sense of he likes to give guys and girls a, a, a certain kind of send off. Just look back to Jade Gargo. And so, like, to me, I I can I could believe that MJF's contract is still up in the air uh, with a date expiring. Um, it's the same thing that you let him go. I don't. No, no, I don't. What well, I don't think Tony Khan would want to just let him. I go. see what you're saying. I don't think Tony Khan yeah. would just want to let him go. But if the other guys are knocking on his door and saying, "Ho, ho, ho, look, hey, we got a here for you." Yeah, when your contract's up, come talk to us because you know, whatever the case may be. Oh no, they're known to talk to them before the contract. Oh, that's oh, true. That, I mean, come on, oh, tampering. Why wait? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, again, I, I just, I've said it before. I'll, I'll say it again for anybody who's listening to this show for the first time, necessarily in this. It, I go back to Tony Khan is a very nice guy, but nicer than what wrestling promoters tradition would tell you. And you go back to Jay Cargo, who had been out of sight, out of mind. She'd already dropped her title. She has no title. She has no business that needs to be finished on TV. Out of sight, out of mind. You could just let her go. But you bring her back on TV to do right by her. Again, nice thing to do, to do right by her, to give her a final match on Rampage. She loses that match, does the job, as she should, going out the door. And then days later, she's popped up and she's all over mainstream media that WWE's acquired her. Mm-hmm. If WWE's going to acquire her no matter what, I get it. But wouldn't you rather have her out of sight, out of mind versus having her just on your TV and then days later you don't have her? That It makes it, makes it look like she deuced out on you, which she did, but it makes it seem mm-hmm. more imp- impactful. So I just, I can't, I can't, I go back to after seeing that, I don't know what to expect with how he's handling MJF. I I don't know what more to add to that. That's pretty much uh, right on the money, I think. All right. Tony Schiavone in the ring with Darby Allen and Sting. Now, it was advertised going into this that uh, Tony Khan had a gift for the Stinger. And out comes that gift. He is the styling, profiling, Hall of Famer, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Of course, uh, Sting's first and most famous uh, rival. Uh, 35 years back uh, and so the, the, all all the feel good hugs all the all the applause going on and then here comes Christian Cage uh who just 
just demolishes. Oh. Uh, you know, oh, Tony Khan got you a gift. Looks like a, a bunch of gold chains and a black liver. Um, oh. Christian says he's watching Weekend at Bernie's here. Uh, and then he challenges Darby and Sting for full gear. Uh, he challenges them. Uh, says it'll be him, Christian, Nick Wayne, and Luchasaurus versus them two. And if they can find a partner. Well, it's not going to be Rick as their partner, they say. But they mm-hmm. do accept. And then they later, uh, we see Edge being interviewed, Adam Copeland being interviewed by Renee, and uh, again reminding us that he doesn't—he's not here to fight Christian. And then Sting and Darby just confront him, mostly Sting, and is like, "Get with it, man! Get with it! You know what's going on here." Basically saying, "Stop being all this humble, you know, oh, we're all friends here, and get with it, and get with us." He was threatening <laughs> Edge. He was like, "I don't yeah. want Ric Flair, bro. I need a better tag partner. Get with it." <laughs> Jimmy, wow. your reaction to Ric Flair uh, on AEW TV? No, I'm I'm not surprised because of their history. Let's put it that way. I, I, yes, I'm sure he got paid handsomely to appear by Tony Khan, but at the same time, him and Sting do have a history, and I think Ric Flair's a little bit of a historian as well, and it wasn't just to get himself on TV. And yes, I know everybody says, ooh, you know, most wrestlers have an ego and 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 are driven by whoever's going to pay them and where they could appear, but it, that might have a little bit to do with it. But then again, it is sting. And I could see flair wanting to do it for him. Isa Rick kind of said, I want to ride the way he mentioned March, which is against when we believe revolution is going to be, which will be when stings last match is going to be uh, flair referenced that and kind of said, let me ride the way with you, brother. So flair kind of indicated that he's like going to be a semi regular on TV, at least through stings final run, kind of like in stings corner as like a, uh, you know, kind of a guru mentor guru whatever you say just kind of willing them on here yeah i think i think that's cool i thought rick uh looked great i thought the i thought the choice of words saying i have a gift for you like he wouldn't bought rick flair instead of saying a surprise you know what i mean like it just came off weird well, when you saw rick flair <laughs> no it's funny you said that though I, but I, I think this is worth noting one of the things that has been like i think that we've all been kind of like uh head scratching half half head scratching half laughing critical of is that Tony Khan has this thing about doing, he's got a big announcement this week. He has an announcement this week that's going to shock the world. It's going to change wrestling forever. And I think more times than not, he ends up coming out and making these announcements, and we feel underwhelmed because right. it's been hyped up so big, and, and, and our mind starts to travel to what could it be. This, I felt, was done kind of just low-key. I saw it was advertised going into tonight. I saw that it was advertised on social, but, you know, so it was kind of low-key, though. And yeah. it ended up being a pretty big deal. Rick freaking Flyers on the show. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know that they I I I personally think that we're gonna allow the next few months to be all about Sting. And I think that if you advertise Ric Flair, it becomes about Ric Flair and not about Sting. And this was Ric Flair celebrating Sting. So yeah. I think that if even I said I, I joke about the gift like he wouldn't bought him, but the surprise was Ric Flair for Sting. And mm-hmm. I think once you announce it, it would automatically become about Ric Flair because he is Ric freaking Flair, right? Um so yeah, if he's gonna be on Sting Corner, I, I love it. You know, you can see how much they mean to each other. Like it, it really came up. Like it was it was a wholesome moment. Uh mm-hmm. I I just but the thing that really, really made me smile outside of Christian promo because it's incredible. But it is the fact that the best thing in this segment was Christian Cage. And he was standing there with Sting and Ric Flair. Don't tell me that he's not on the best run of his career when he's standing there next to two of the goats and he was the best part of the segment. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Jimmy, I don't know about you. I don't know how much uh, you're willing to divulge or how much your ear still keeps to the ground, but it was about this time last year, maybe a little bit earlier in the fall, that I was hearing 
through the grapevine that Sting might be appearing on AEW then, and mm-hmm. then it was, there was a famous Dark Side of the Ring plane ride from hell episode that aired that, that caused a lot of waves about you know something mm-hmm. from 20 years ago, but but Flair's behavior on it. Right. I I'd, I'd got wind of that maybe he was going to appear in AEW a year ago, and that kind of got put to on hold for 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 mm. now so i, I based on what i'm getting as i was inevitably waiting for rick flair to show up on w, or AWTV. yeah uh, i i was too because uh, he's been wanted there for a long time especially by tony khan from my understanding and yes you did bring up the plane ride from hell which i was on and uh there, well, what, it, what were you drinking what was i well i knew uh, you were smoking you, this, uh, well, you couldn't smoke cigarettes on there no, 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 no. Especially I mean, they around might have. <laughs> no, especially around Vince McMahon. You don't want to be doing that. Except Pat Patterson was the only guy who can get away with it. And but that's a different story altogether. You know what's what's funny though, and I don't mean to get off topic here. Go Everybody off topic. describes that as the plane ride from hell. And there was one plane ride on a on a charter flight that was far worse than that for different reasons, for thinking that we weren't gonna make it oh. to our destination. But that's it'll was be that- a story for was that like a Russia one? You guys could yes, know. where we had to land in Russia for refueling at, at a military base during a snowstorm, and we had the we on the third attempt of, we landed because we had to, hmm. we had no choice. <laughs> we Regardless, of, like we coming in and shaking, big show seats snapped, and he landed in Brian Hebner's lap. I mean, it was just oh my goodness, it was terrifying. But uh, yeah, but the plane ride from hell, the one that's described as a plane ride from hell, that's the one where where the late uh, Kurt Henning and Brock kind of got into it in the into the exit door. And we were sitting right across from that when it was happening. There was a table there and myself, Chimmel and Coach and stuff, we were playing a card game. And it happened right there. And that terrified us. Everybody, the seatbelt, you know. So the exit door actually flew off? Is that what happened? No, 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 no. They went into it. Okay. But they probably, there's two huge men. Like, you probably yeah. thought the door was going to give in. <laughs> Little did we know that the door could only open if they allow it, if they release it from the from the, the flight deck. Right. You oh, know what I mean? They have, to, they have to basically unlock it from there. I mean, there is a lever and all that sort of stuff that you got to twist, and, but we didn't know that. But they had to unlock and then you twist the lever. Yeah. Yes, yeah. But, uh, yeah. And then... I didn't see what happened with Ric Flair. You know, that was just, uh, you heard a lot of wooing and stuff. And that was in a different section of the plane. And You were playing cards. I was playing cards because that was the safest place to be. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Stay out of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fascinating. Well, we'll see what we get here. But yeah, I mean, so, but all right. So, so we go, but let's go back to, they, they, yeah. could, they, they, they kind of verbally like, you know, taunt edge, the staying mm-hmm. in, in Darby. I mean, there's no other option, right? It's got to be Adam Copeland. Jeez, that's, you know, 20, 20 plus years are hard to break here. Adam Copeland's got to be the only option here for the third partner. And can Darby go? He's in the sling. We heard Darby's hurt. Mm-hmm. Do they need a third partner? I mean, one of them is uh, Nick Wayne. So is it necessary? <laughs> wow. You can be the third. <laughs> you can be the third. Oh. You can take a shoe off and beat him with it. Yeah. Well, well, you know what? Christian was throwing daggers tonight, and now Issa's throwing them. <laughs> I love Christian Cage. I know I already said it, but my God. Like, I mean, he was saying some things that are just insane, and the crowd reacted incredibly. Like, he, he's just on a different level right now. Yeah, because he's got a little more freedom than he did in the WWE. Trust me, that that intensity was there back then, too. It's just, it's just too bad it didn't come out like it, it's coming now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy to see. Uh, Stephen Camp says, Jimmy, what about the car ride from hell when you had to drive with Tony Chimmel? 
Oh, where do I begin? Uh, uh, <laughs> thank you, Steve, but let's save it for another day. That's an entire episode of its own. <laughs> What's Chimmel's go-to music in the car? Uh, I don't know because the person who drives gets to be in charge of the radio. So he never drove. No, I he he, he loved it because uh, you know I drove everywhere. I could I was I'm a bad passenger. Let's put it that way. Uh, I, I don't like sitting there for hours and whatever the case may be. And I know guys in the back can have a few pops or whatever the case may be. But back then when I used to be a smoker, you know, it was give me give me some cigarettes and a, and a cola. And some music is the best way. And a cola drive. And, and I'm gone. You know, Jimmy's got the window cracked, just smoke rolling out. And... There you go. All right. Listening to Casey in the Sunshine Band. How'd you know? I've sat in a car with you for a time or two as well. Oh, well, that's the way. Uh huh. Uh huh. I yeah. like it. <laughs> I've been in a car with you before. All right. Uh, we get Renee uh, pre tape uh, sitting down with Jericho and they relive how. Powerhouse Hobbs just you know squashed Jericho, and Jericho's still recovering from the injuries. They talk about Jericho's many reinventions of himself, many reiterations, and uh, Jericho talks about how you know Don Callis he's got a big family, he's got all these guys in the family, and Hobbs a big guy, but Jericho says he's got some friends too, maybe some that are even bigger than Hobbs. So once again, question mark here of partners, uh, whichever one of you could speak the fastest, I'll let you answer first. Who is Jericho calling upon? I think he, when he's talking about some big guys, I, I, I'm thinking you look at who's there that hasn't been really seen on television. And you got a name like Big Show, Paul White. And you also got a Mark Henry. You know, those, those are, for some reason, those are the two names that popped in my head. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Issa, Big Show was the first one that popped in my head in the, in the moment. I thought of Jarrah Show. Uh, but to Jimmy's point, I do know my, my fellow busted open compadre that Mark Henry is a huge fan behind the scenes of Powerhouse Hobbs, so I could see him wanting to get involved with Powerhouse with Hobbs. I think everybody like will want to work with Powerhouse Hobbs. I think he's you know open coming, and and if you have the opportunity to help uh, make him a star, why not? I I I thought Big Show, but um, I think it was a weird. I, I don't know the the pacing of this show. I know we we praised it a few weeks ago because it pays perfectly today they feel it felt like they put too much talking back to back and my retainment of talking segments have ran out at this point so like i was like i i, I caught that and i was like oh it's big show like that was what i automatically thought but i i was not paying attention to anything that jericho was saying because we just had this incredible segment with all these people and all these people talking and you went straight into that there was a lot of talking on aw tonight there was. I, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna maybe differ from you. I'm. I'm still gonna always side with. I'd rather a little bit more talking than more matches. That I don't have anything against the talking. It's the pacing it back to back to back. Okay. Right. Okay. Again, no time to let the audience breathe and absorb what they just saw. And like you said, things uh, that just happened escape your mind because it, something else happens right after it. It kind of makes it kind of yes. I have completely I, I forgot this... they made that MJF and the Guns match on that opening segment because it was a half yeah. hour long. <laughs> yep, yep. Although I will say, looking at the show, and, and we haven't gone through it all yet, but looking at the show in full, I do agree with them putting all the MJF stuff, MJF stuff in the first half hour because that is traditionally your better viewing audience. So I agree. Put that up there, even though the ending of the show wasn't the to me the most exciting or whatever. Mm-hmm. The audience has shown the the. The best of it's up front. 
so I do get putting MJF up front and, and the way that went. I do I do agree with that. But um, there's a lot of talking, and you can I mean there's a lot that's going on here. But again, I'm gonna go. I'd rather more talking than giving me matches of things that don't progress any stories yeah. or matter. You know, you're no, gonna you're you're gonna accomplish more in the talking than you are. The match is gonna accomplish something for the payoff, and you're and you're not at a payoff for most things right now. So. Right. Uh, we get the Bucks and Hangman uh, with their trio titles up against the Hardys and Brothers Zay. BTE trigger at the end of the day is going to win this. There was a quick false finish where it looked like the Hardys and they might get it because not only did they have the pinfall, but then the Hardys and its company, they all surrounded like they were going to stop from any interference, but yet still the count was able to be broken. So that was kind of goofy to me. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, BTE trigger, Bucks and Hangman uh, retained. But then we see on the big screen Prince Nana and Swerve appear to be entering Hangman's house ripping up kids' artwork on the fridge and taking the camera and going into the baby's room, putting it on the... the, the. Now, the camera gets set on the crib. We never mm-hmm. see the baby, but it's kind of that whole, like, horror movie kind of style of you don't see the baby, but what you don't see is even scarier. He tosses some free merchandise in the uh, crib, tosses in a swerve shirt, and this is all this is all the baby's fault and the, and the, and the hangman's fault. Um Jimmy, they 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 towed a line, but we, we didn't see anything graphic. It was all again to the imagination. Uh, what say you on them adding this level of spice to this hangman swerve feud? Uh, it it was definitely different. Let's put it that way. Uh, it, I, I'm kind of on the fence with this one. I think it. Uh, you know, I get tr- invading someone's home. You're trying to say, hey, you're over there, but I'm here where you should be. Uh, you're missing your family and all this sort of, and and doing the stuff. You know, uh, the fact that they ran into nobody there, there's a child in the bed and you didn't run into anybody else in the home to at least make it seem like they're scaring someone, you know, have a scream, have anything. Yeah, we didn't, we, just, didn't, we didn't hear Hangman's wife scream or anything. No, no. It just felt like, what, the baby was left alone in the house? You know, it, it was it was weird. It was done odd for me that's all outside of the baby being left alone in the house hangman adam page took off running i'm like bro you live in virginia you're in philadelphia what are you gonna do run home <laughs> like mm. like it was so realistic it's not like he was doing something backstage taxi taxi yeah <laughs> well, i just hope the taxi doesn't uh, swerve when they drive i, I uh, tweeted it out i'm like adam page is gonna have forrest gump home right now like no. what is this like uh but i did i liked it um, Scott, scotty beam me home <laughs> I liked it. I remember when Swerve like kidnapped uh, Daddy Ass too, and he had that weird segment where he was like torturing him backstage. Like Swerve has been doing some dark stuff like this. He keeps getting away with it. But back to the match for a second. I just want to point out that somebody. Oh, and as you know, I do watch alums every week, and it's typically the same crowd that shows up. And somebody says, "What titles do the Young Bucks have?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot they have the mm-hmm. Ring of Honor Trios Championship." Uh, it's it's very weird if you go into like the All Elite Wrestling website, they're not mm-hmm. listing this Ring of Honor Championship. So again, it's just a matter of if your audience is just tuning in and they want to get to know, and they just saw this match and they go into your website, they're not gonna know what belts were just defended on TV. And the fans that actually watch every week didn't even know they had those belts yeah the great debate continues the ring of honor um and it's and again people the, the you know we'll, we'll do a podcast on mondays and we'll talk about nxt crossover of nxt titles but yet somehow it's it's done in a far less intrusive manner right the, the, I don't know. Then it's 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 hard to explain it in in this terms too because everybody knows that NXT is a part of WWE, not 
they were purchased yeah. by this company. Do you know what I mean? It is a subsidiary. It is a branch that has been there from day one. It was, uh, yes, it was Florida Championship Wrestling before, as a, but now right. NXT is WWE. Right. So WWE, WWE acknowledges NXT is part of them, where it's like. AEW is trying to sell that ROH is another powerhouse brand. That's just and they play hot and cold with it. When it was first uh, acquired, it, Ring of Honor was all over AEW television, mm -hmm. and then it kind of went away for a little bit, and now they're bringing it back. So it's a little bit confusing. It's just not consistent. But right. it seems like everybody's coming out with a title, and sometimes we really do forget. Like, what is this? When did it become championships? Mm -hmm. What is these titles? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, speaking of titles, your AEW Women's Champion Hikaru Shida defending up against Ruby Soho. Now, at one point here, they tried to do the Eddie Guerrero, uh, a style of Eddie Guerrero of the uh, lie, cheat, and steal refs' backs turned. Jimmy, love how the refs sold it. Oh, my God. And it doesn't even end the match. No, it just, you know, you know, it just, there was something about this whole thing that just, the, the whole match obviously put in the, the usual spot. Let's put it before the so-called main event. But, it, you know, the the turnbuckle pad, for one, pulling the turnbuckle pad off. Why does the referee have to take it and walk it all the way to the opposite side of the ring and carefully place it down in the middle of nowhere instead of taking it to where it should? Like, hey, you, somebody at ringside, take this, and when we, the match is over, put it back on, whatever the case may be. It was, it was just so blatant that the referee was trying not to see certain things. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't you know, like when Eddie used to do the lie, cheat, and steal stuff, used to do it in a creative fashion to distract the referee where you said, oh, Eddie fooled them. This looked like the referee was purposely trying to not see certain things, especially stuff that was right in front of her. Yeah, you say, I, I agree with what, you know, I mean, I wasn't going to say it because Jimmy is the most qualified to say it, but that's part of my notes was this made the referee look the most incompetent referee ever. And it's because it kept happening. It was a couple yeah. of spots. It wasn't just a turnbuckle. The, the spray the paint chair. thing and the chair. And, no, but even in this match, the spray paint, when 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 Shira had the, the can and, and, and Ruby's, which she did a great job selling it, but all you had to do is look and you can see that she was never sprayed. Like, there's mm -hmm. no paint. You know what I mean? Like, the whole thing. And then she's just, like, arguing. Which, like, it was, it, was, it was just silly. It mm -hmm. was silly stuff. And it's just not helping the women's division that needs all the help it can help it can get right now you know it's good to see shira defend the title um i'm still treading carefully with this ring i want to see how long it lasts and seeing tony storm come out as excited as i was because i'm loving everything that tony storm is doing also makes me wonder is this going to be a transition ring for shira and they're going to put it back on tony storm because tony storm is so hot right now then it's not it's just it's not good for Sheeta to have two title reigns that are less than a month. So I have a lot of questions about how they're going to book this field. Yeah, I mean, uh, right now it looks like Sheeta is the first time ever three-time champion, and she's going to be the most like uh, forgetful of the champions. Because I, I agree, Tony Storm comes out and kind of is out there and looks like that's where we're headed. Um, and again, Tony Storm doing something new and something interesting. And then I again I go back to because she was in the graphics for Ruby Soho coming out, the one who we just took the title off of just a matter of weeks ago, Soraya. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Why, why or where is she? Hmm. Oh. Your guess is as good as mine. I, I just wanted a quick shout out to uh, Ethan Cruz, who mentioned, and what was the point of trying to get the champion disqualified? You know, if she's trying to win the championship. That's actually a great point. It's, yeah. It is a very good point, Ethan. Thank you for bringing that up. Why would you want the, you're trying to win the title, but you're trying to get the champ disqualified. Yeah. Again, makes no that's sense. a That's a quality control Mm -hmm. problem happening there. Mm -hmm.
quality control there. Um, all right. Uh, and finally, we get Orange Cassidy and Okada versus Brian Danielson and Claudio Castanoli. Uh, you know, the fans, uh, certainly a lot of the fans are uh, recognized for wrestling fans, the magnitude of this situation and, and seeing Okada in the ring. Of course, you know, he was at Forbidden Door. Um, so some some interesting scenarios here. Orange Cassidy, of course, over with his with his people. Uh, but in the end, Claudio does end up uh, pinning Orange Cassidy. And so Claudia and Brian Anderson win, and then Brian is off to the side, and they have the trainer and the doctor, and and the rest of the Blackpool Combat Club comes out, and he's selling uh, his face and the injuries from from a punch to the face, and then Okada and 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 it hooks back out. They're all the best friends, and it looks like there's going to be like a big big brouhaha, but nothing happens. But then they announce that Tony Khan's announced the next week it's going to be Claudio versus Orange Cassidy for the international title. Uh, Issa, this was again, and I and I get it. We, we the statistics prove your audience just tends to die down. This is AEW Raw, wherever your audience just tends to go down as the night goes on. So I sit by what I said earlier, start out with MJF and such. But even for this finish, this was kind of like a weird flat finish. But the way, like, it felt like something was supposed to happen and then nothing did happen, and they were already in the overrun. Yeah, it got very awkward. I'm not sure if Brian was selling, if he was injured. Like, he had a really bad injury from his last match with Okada, so I'm not sure if, if this was the angle they wanted to go with. Just It just doesn't seem like a smart thing to do. But, um, yeah, it got it got very weird. I don't know what was supposed to happen. It felt like, are we still supposed to be in the air? Do they know that they're not overrun and we still can see this? Like, that's what it got to at one point. The match itself was really good. My takeaway from it was that at one point, I'm like, oh, my God, I want to see Claudio versus Orange Cassidy. I thought they were killing it that few times that they were in there. So I guess we're going to get to see it now. But yeah the finish kind of like took all the excitement away from the match mm -hmm. yeah jimmy uh, uh, awkward finish to me it was it was an awkward finish and in, in the the aftermath with the, with the uh the injury to brian uh brian danielson and stuff like that again you talk about try overthinking things and trying to squeeze too much in yes you know like you said people tend to tune out during the night this was a match that probably had people going okay uh, whatever was the reason we put it in, but getting back to the ending, he's out there, he's selling his face, he's covering his face, he's like, something is up there, the, like you said, the doctor, the trainer, the Blackpool Combat Club, everybody's kind of stopped. And it's like, oh, I wonder what's wrong with uh, Brian Danielson, maybe they could figure this out. Oh, by the way, tune in next week, because there's a match with it. My goodness. Go off the air with the injury, have people going, what the heck happened? I want to know what happened with Brian Danielson. Instead, you go off the air with, hey, tune in next time and watch this match. Well, and don't forget, in 72 hours, MJF's defending this title against Kenny Omega. Right. Uh, tune in to Collision. Yeah. All right, that was Dynamite. There she blows. Um, uh, yeah, again, you know, I, I, my, my silver lining is there's some interesting stuff going on, but... I can't. I can't help but go back to this MJF thing where he's, I love the situation of him being hunted by so many people, but I, I hate the fact that I already know who's pay per view challengers. I can't get past that. That that's my hill. I'm going to die on. But this week, Issa, uh, final thoughts. Plug it up. Uh, say what you want to say. Yeah, um, it was. It just felt like a weird episode of Dynamite, but it had it had its good it, its good moments, and I I did think it was it was cool to see Rick being a legit surprise like nobody was expecting that my favorite thing continues to be christian cage 
and MJF right now really think they're building something for him. And now you completely ruined it for me after reminding me that we know who he's facing at Full Gear. So maybe I shouldn't be invested into all of this. <laughs> and you guys can find me on NYC Demon Diva across all social platforms here on YouTube. I do watch alongs. Um, I'm here on Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And I'm also with Lucha Libre Online. I'm going to be at Halloween Extravaganza this Saturday with WWC. We're going to be having some fun over there doing some interviews. So if you're in Puerto Rico, it's going to be fun. Isa, is there a way for people in the States or elsewhere in the world to watch the WWC stuff? Uh, their YouTube channel airs their weekly programming. Uh, like an hour after it airs on live TV, it airs here. And then like they only do like four big pay-per-views that air on on fight tv everything else is it kind of airs on their weekly programming so find them on youtube if you want to subscribe usually the saturdays and sunday shows will air those matches that happen in the weekend event all right very good so follow her at nyc demon diva the i and diva is a one uh jimmy final thoughts and uh plug it up well like you guys said it was it was a weird kind of flow there was some interesting stuff that went on but so much went on i'm trying to siphon through to remember certain things and try, what oh what happened in this segment again you know that sort of thing just trying to cram too much into the the two hours and uh as far as where you can catch me obviously here on wednesday nights and after dynamite monday nights after raw with you justin and and uh, the other jay the, the third jay jack farmer and uh uh, back on the Refin It Up podcast with my good brother in stripes, Brian Hebner and RJ, who holds the glue together for us so we can get through our podcast. And like every, like I do every day from Monday to Wednesday, uh, Monday to Wednesday, no, Monday to Friday on all my social media platforms, I do my Refin Rants, which is a minute long. It's little critiques, again, not to tear down, but to help tighten screws that I believe need tightening. And earlier today, I talked about, you know, uh, the real plane ride from hell as opposed to the one that keeps getting talked about. And that story is in this book right here, right here. And that uh, is available. You can look online and find it. It is a great book because we're approaching it the holidays. Is a great read. If you're approaching the holidays, looking for uh, a, a gift for somebody else or just looking for something to read yourself on the, on the holiday break, I highly <clears throat> recommend it. Uh, at Justin LaVar across the socials. Uh, again, catch me here on Mondays with uh, J&J here on Wednesdays with these two. Friday mornings, Channel 156, Sirius XM Radio Spar with LaVar, myself, Dave LeGrecker, and Thunder Rosa. Um, lots of good stuff happening in the Bust Open world. More to come. Uh, again, overall Dynamite, I mean, again, I, 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 I don't want to spare. I don't want to say it over and over again. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on. There are some questions I have, some things I want, as Jimmy would say, some things I want to see tighten up. I am definitely intrigued in the next seven days. That includes Collision, because even though I've made my, my piece here about, I feel like the the outcome is, or at least who's walking out, the title's predictable. I am curious how it gets done, personifying the double mask, whatever. So let's see what goes You bring on. that up, and I will say my reaction when they announced it for Collision was like, I got to watch this. And, yeah. and I haven't felt mm -hmm. that when they announced anything for Collision in a long yeah. time. So I, at least I'll give them that. Now, I'll, I'll say this. I don't know what it means because, again, they're giving themselves very limited uh, promotional time. But like mentioned earlier by you, Issa, and by the chat, World Series is going on. Saturday night's college football. Um, so, it, you know, I don't know what the expectation of what number they expect to get. But Maybe if they tickets. don't, if they, well, aside from tickets, I think they're in Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. Aside from tickets, if they don't get the TV number that they want, 
I'll be curious what that means. I don't know. I don't know what that number is, but like obviously Collision struggling, it especially has been struggling ever since mm-hmm. it's not CM Punk show anymore and he's gone. Uh, right. I'll be curious in these times of, of heavy competition, um, you know what what they want. The, the really quickly here, and and if they don't get the number they're looking for, if it doesn't help increase anything, this this big announcement of Kenny versus uh, MJF, it, it's it's been it was a waste for me it, of something that yeah. could have been built to and drawn a big audience. Do you think that maybe, and, and I know that CM Punk was a draw, like the numbers did prove it, but do you think that maybe because they haven't reestablished Collision, that's also why it's struggling? Because there was a period of time that, you know, if you wanted to watch Punk, you had to tune in on Saturdays. Now, they're kind of just, everybody's there. The same people that show up yeah. on Wednesday. So maybe that's a reason why, like maybe they need to restructure it a little bit. Or... Well, I, I go back to, I, 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 yeah, I think A, Punk was at least, you know, rightly or wrongly to the drama. Punk was an identity. It was like, okay, that was, that was Punk's only on that show. But also, I kind of feel like it's felt it's fallen into, and you corrected me earlier, Issa, about like that maybe maybe the mass double man had appeared since again. I, but I, to me, I feel like Collision is just another extension of Rampage. I feel like it's right. like, I don't, I don't, do I necessarily need to see it in order to then follow it on Wednesdays? And I'm sorry. I'm in my mid 30s on a Saturday night with a family and with other interests. Like, I, to, to watch it live, you you better be rolling out something in the promotional mm-hmm. packet for me to be watching it live. Right. Amen. Yeah, so. All right, that's going to do it. I'm sure we're going to be loved and hated by the internet. That's the way the internet rolls. Like, mm-hmm. subscribe, comment, do what you got to do. Thanks to everybody in the live chat. Be good tonight. Thanks to everybody who's watching and listening to us after the fact. Um, again, podcasts around the weekly clock here on Wrestling Inc. Tune into all of them. If you subscribe, that'll just save you the hassle. You have it all right there in your inbox, ready for you to enjoy. She's Isa. He's Jimmy. I'm LeVar. Good night. Be safe. Smoke them if you got them.